Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm author and publisher Tracy L. Slatten. It's my belief that the most interesting, creative, and original voices today are heard outside of the big corporations, studios, and galleries. Individuals of courage, inspiration, and vision are seizing the opportunities to create and promote their art themselves. I'm here to support them and to bring their stories to you. On this show, I'll interview independent artists of all kinds, unusual thinkers, and even some healers about their process. How do they do it? How do they start with an idea and bring it to life in the world? This show intends to illuminate the journey. Feel free to call in to 516-453-6052 with questions or live chat with me at blogtalkradio.com slash independent artist thinkers. Great to have you with us. Hi, this is Tracy L. Slatten, hosting Independent Artists and Thinkers. I am so happy to welcome you to the show. We have a great show lined up for you today. I am also very grateful and humbled that so many people are listening to the show, both live and in the archives. I created this show to support those brave souls who are operating outside the structures of the big established corporations. As the intro to the show says, I intend to illuminate the unusual journey and to bring it to you. I'm interested in alternatives to conventional thinking and conventional answers. I'm interested in creativity, fresh ideas, unusual perspectives, and originality. And this show aims to bring you models of people who embody those qualities. Remember, there are always people who believe in the old guard, people who will say no to you, people who are invested in the system and in the status quo. You don't have to buy their shtick. The system is always wrong. And here on this show, you'll hear people who are inventing their own systems. Please do call in with questions or comments to 516-453-6052. You can also live chat me at blogtalkradio.com slash independent artist thinkers, and the chat is open now. Email me in between guests if you want to suggest a guest or have me ask questions of a particular guest. You can reach me at tracy at tracylflatten.com, and that's T-R-A-C-I. And the first thing I have to do um, before I get to the rest of the housekeeping is I have to apologize for last week. I was away, and I had prepared a really beautiful Highlights of Independent Artists and Thinkers show, and unfortunately, Blog Talk Radio lost that file. So technology isn't perfect, and alas, Blog Talk Radio has a lot of glitches and outages. So I'm very sorry if you tuned in last week hoping to hear the Highlights episode. I tried to replace it with my first show, which was a wonderful interview with dancer and the artistic director of the Isidore Duncan Foundation director, um, Lori Bellalove, but I'm not exactly sure that worked. Um, it was really uh, just a kind of mess up all around. But moving forward in the coming weeks, we've got some great guests coming on. Next week on Thursday, September 10th, 
Dan Booth Cohen and Emily Volden will talk about the human heart as a catalyst to creativity. They'll also discuss the ancestral dimensions of consciousness. Fantastic. I can't wait to hear what they have to say. On Thursday, September 17th at 1 p.m., author, astrologer, and teacher Lynn Bell will talk about the archetypes and mythology of our horoscopes. Fascinating. Lynn is also the author of some wonderful books, so that's going to be a great show. On Thursday, September 24th, Sufi dancer, entrepreneur, and the founder of Neural Beings Coaching, Anahita Mogadam, will talk about mindfulness and self actualization. So tune in and keep checking the website independentartistthinkers.com and the Blog Talk radio page to find out who will be on the show. I am delighted today to have a wonderful guest foundress and artist in Sun Kim. And I did look up that word foundress. It's a woman who's the proprietor of her own foundry. How cool is that? Because women don't usually own their own foundries. And on a personal note, my husband Sabin Howard works closely with InSun at her foundry. And Sabin, who's pretty picky and pretty critical, has enormous respect for InSun's integrity and her courage, both as a foundress and as a sculptor. InSun Kim was born in South Korea. She studied painting at the Art Student League in New York. She started as a landscape painter in the early 1980s. She was working at that time at the Talix Art Foundry in Peekskill, New York, and it was there that she was introduced to sculpture. She never returned to painting. She says, quote, there was something about sculpture and three dimensions that I was very attracted to, end quote. Over the years, Insun Kim has worked with clay, wax, and plaster, but her true love is working with metal. While some of her pieces are cast, most of her work is fabricated with metal and various found objects. Insun Kim's work is based on her own experiences. Her work relates to themes of life and being alive. And I, I'm going to interrupt the bio that I'm reading to just say she's done this amazing tree made out of nails, and you have to go online and take a look. It's just gorgeous. So Insun says, quote, As a woman, it is expected that you marry, have children, and raise a family. There are many ups and downs in life, whether they be the little everyday annoyances or the absolutely dreadful. My art has been there for me throughout such times and has provided me with a positive route to express myself. I love nature and being outdoors, and I also truly respect and cherish what God has made for us. From time to time, I will find natural objects that seem to radiate beauty in their own personal way. It is my hope and my aim to merge this natural beauty with my personal experiences to produce an art, my art, which can channel and display both influences together. Isn't that beautiful? So, Insan, welcome. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me, and sounds great. <laughs> oh, you're amazing. I'm so impressed with you. And um, I want to start, I just love your statement, and I love um, kind of the sense of the larger realm that you bring to your art. But let's start at the beginning and tell us how you got started. How did you begin your journey, and what has it taken for you to arrive at the place where you are currently? What training did you have, and when did you know you were going to be involved in running a foundry and in sculpting? Was art a major um, presence in your home when you were growing up? What did you think you would be? So tell me about your childhood. Just start going and lead up till now. Okay, that's a lot of questions. Um, well, uh <laughs> When you were a little kid, did you think you would be a sculptor and own your own foundry? Never. Uh, I was I was raised in Korea, and my father, my parents were very traditional Korean. 
So for as a woman's place, I should just get married and have kids, you know? Uh, uh-huh. So being being over owning boundary was never, I never thought about that. And as grown up, you know, I have two brothers. Um, they raise, they treat differently, boy and girl, you know. So my brothers did everything. They do taekwondo, they do dancing, and they do all those. But I cannot do taekwondo, which is, I love to do it, but because I'm a woman, my father never, you know, let me do that. So I I was like always, um, but so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do any of those. I just basically you, you were always Yeah, you were a little dumpling, a <clears throat> Korean dumpling. Yeah, I did, and <laughs> not dumpling. It's a little chubby. Then um, my mother well, was. Now it's that you're very thin, so it's hard to believe. But I believe you. But oh, I'm not really thin. I was like, you know, a little skill. I tell myself I'm a little chubbier than most Korean women. They're all nice, lean, you know, but I'm not. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I I think you're underestimating yourself. So when did you leave <laughs> Korea? When did you leave Korea and come to the United States? I left Korea in 1979. I remember because um, I was few months before my uh, plane, um, I believe Abby's Presley died, and oh. I, I was like oh, totally crushed. <laughs> yes, m- billions of women's hearts broke that day. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so 1979, I came here. Um, I Was your family, your have, whole family came? No, just me. By yourself? Yes. To study, or what, what drew you here? Well, actually, it's kind of funny. Um, I want to be a singer. Uh-huh. So when I left Korea, I bring my guitar and one suitcase. That's it. That's all I. Yeah, that's it. Insan, you're gutsy. You you're courageous. <laughs> I I won't say gutsy. I, I I don't know. When you're young, very you naive. You know, you want something and you don't see anything else. You know, and you just uh-huh. go like a horse with a blindfold and you just go straight forward. I mean, if someone asks me today same question, I don't think so I can do that easily because now I calculated so many things, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if. So I don't think so I can make that decision that quick. So I came here, then I realized that there's there's no way. So, but I always... Did you have uh, any- when you came, who did you stay with, and did you have any singing gigs? Did you sing in public at all? No. No, I only only sing singing gig was uh, singing in front of my mother's friends. 
here in the United States or back in Korea? Back in Korea. Every time uh, my mother, friends came over, my mother always called me and sing in front of all her friends. So that was the only gig I have it. So I don't know. I was very naive. What did you sing? What kind of music did you want to sing? Pop, you know, Korean pop sing. Uh-huh. Pop songs, pop songs, yeah. And so, so you, um, you flew over to the United States, and mm-hmm. you were young, and you had one suitcase and your guitar, and where did you stay? I Then I met, then I met someone right away, and uh, that was my first love, and got married in a few months right away. Wow. I know. <laughs> So were your parents yeah. happy that you got married? No. My um my mother wasn't happy. My father uh he was totally, totally not happy. He don't want me to come to United States in first place anyway. Uh-huh. So in order to come to United States I I I did a little like stone, you know. I told him, you know, I'm gonna kill myself, something like that. So I threatening my father. So. Well, you that's were trying to have here. your own life. I. I don't honestly. I did thought about it many times. Um. Why, uh, you know, your faith, do you believe in faith? I think that's my faith. I mean, I, I didn't know much or anything about other world. Then I just had one single tribe. I just want to come to the United States, and that's what I did. So you met your first love. You got married in a few months. And were you already working in a foundry at that point? What were you no, doing? No, then, then uh, of course, I got pregnant right away. So I had a, I had a son. Then after son, uh, after I had a son, uh, I want to go back to painting because I always good with the painting. Uh-huh. So I would start going Arston Lake. And while I'm going to school, um, of course, um, now I'm married, have kids, so, and husband, I need a job, which is challenging for me because I never worked in Korea, so I never had any job experience. At that time, Talex was in peak scare by the train station, so, uh-huh. well, uh well let me I'm I'm pretty handy with my hand and let me go there and fill it out applications so I did but they never called me back so huh. I call again and they they say okay why don't you come down so I went down and they test me doing some walks chasing so I did that, and they hired me on the spot. So that's, that's how great. it all started. <laughs> so, 
So started Talix, which um, was the foundry. Sabin also used to use that foundry. That was a great foundry. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was fantastic foundry. It was beautiful building, and I I learned a lot in Talix. Uh, I worked there for 24 years until last minute uh, they closed down. Um, it's best, best art school ever because you work with all these famous artists, you know, side by side, and uh-huh. they can draw the, they can, it be, it be working on the figure, you know, they can come with a pencil and draw the line and the pencil, you know, follow this and this. It was just best school. Even you go to sculpture or university class, you you cannot get that kind of education. Because it was right there, live, like a live art class in the real world, yeah. down in the trenches with your sleeves rolled up. Yeah, and this is, you know, you're talking about like a really, really uh, famous, well-established sculptors, you know, and they can teach you, you know, right there from hairline to fingernail to, you know, so uh-huh. eyebrow, you know, and so you, you learn so much. Then so you were learning proportions? Is, you were learning proportions and forms, right? Yeah. Then also, you know, you also learning uh, there's, there's figurative artists. And there's abstract artists, you know. Mm-hmm. So you work one 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 week. You're working with figurative sculptor. Then next week you're working with abstract sculptor. So you have to turn your gear totally, switch around, and try to see what they're looking. You know. Uh-huh. So it's it's a it's a challenging, but but I learned I learned everything from Talex. What do you think in some what do you think was the most important thing you learned in during that time? Um, most important thing I learned is that I can do it. Yay. <laughs> so what led you to that understanding? Well, it's it's not like, you know, I don't have a lot of job experience and I don't have a lot of education like some people do, you know. So when you get into here, uh, into Talex, you have this famous artist and you're working with all these uh, talented craftspeople who has a master's degree of fine arts and almost everybody has it. So it's very intimidating, you know. Uh-huh. And also, I'm a I'm a Korean, and I'm very tiny, five foot one, you know. And for for me to prove them, I can do it. It was it was challenging. I have to work extra extra hard to prove them that I can do it. Uh huh. So it was so towards the end. Who are, I was who are some of the artists who taught you during that time? Um, like uh, Frederick Fadakis uh, and Diana Moore. Hello? Uh-huh. Yes, I'm listening. And also everybody knows Tom Adonis, 
George Shapiro. Oh, uh-huh. And also, Sabin Hauer is one of my favorite artists. Yes, one of mine, too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, like I love Howard's his work. work. <laughs> so you're working kind of side-by-side side with all these, you know, famous artists, well-established artists, and they're talking to you about their art, and they're talking to you about their process, but you also got to see them in their process. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, some, like uh, Tyna Moore, she's very hands-on, you know. So I worked, there's time I worked with her side by side for a whole month. So I know exactly what she wants. Uh-huh. And some artists, they're not hands-on, you know, but they can come and tell you how to do it. So they are over your shoulder and watching you, making sure you're doing it right, you know. Uh-huh. And so at this time you were doing the waxes? You were doing the waxes for these artists? Yeah, I did I did wax for two years. Then I get bored easy. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, after two years, I want to go to Patina. So I went to Patina, and I worked in Patina department for almost three years then I got bored over there too because if some artist came to me and say hey Insan use your imagination and make this beautiful then Ooh. that's challenging you know then yeah. then I can use my head and my brain's going and I can try to figure out what I can do but most time in 1980s most sculptures basically brown Blue, green, black, very simple or traditional color. So it's boring one after the other, you know what I mean? Uh huh. So I so I got bored, so I'm going to go to finishing. That time there's no woman finisher in finishing. So I went to finishing supervisor and talked, you know, I told him about I want to be a finisher. He said, uh no. So I I almost go there to him every lunch hour to bugging him. I uh, give uh-huh. me a chance and give me a chance. So he told me if I come during my lunch hour, start to grinding, practicing how to use tool for three months, then he will give me a chance. So wow. that's what I did. So you gave up your lunch for three months to learn everything so that you could be, then do finishing. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's what I did. And you were you the know. first woman finisher, the first woman to be a finisher at Talix. Yes. That's really cool, Insan. Can you just tell my listeners, <laughs> well, you and I know the lost wax casting process, so I know when you say you were doing the waxes, I know what you're talking about, but can you just explain for my listeners what it means to do the waxes and what it means to do the finishing? Sure. Um, well, usually when artists create a sculpture, either clay or wood, um, in order to make it bronze, because clay, uh, you have to make a rubber mold out of this clay so you can have a positive wax production of original. Then when you're making this rubber mold, you have to, you have a clay original, then you put, you 
put coat of rubber, then you put the plaster outside, plaster's lots foam, then rubber. So plaster's uh-huh. going to hold the shape of this rubber. Uh-huh. Then also you have to either cut in half of the rubber or three sections, depending on what shape of uh, sculpture it is. So when you open it, you can pull the resin out, right? Mm-hmm. Then also, so once you have this rubber mold, we paint the wax. But when you, did you hear the train just went by? Um, That's okay. The train's going by your, by your foundry, which is kind of cool. So keep going. So once you have the um, So mold, once you have this rubber um, mold, we paint the waxes, so you're going to have the exact shape of, exact duplication of original. But only thing is, because you cut it in half, you're going to have a seam line of wax, knife, you know, little knife cutting line. So uh-huh. wax chasing is you get rid of those things and put back the original texture. Uh-huh. So that's what wax chasing usually do. And one, once once wax is ready, uh, we usually ask artists to come and check the waxes, and they come and check the waxes. And when they say, okay, we usually gating. Gating is uh, we put this uh, square tube, like sort of like plumbing system, into, mm-hmm. into the surface of a wax. That's how going through this um, plumbing system, how matters going to travel through this tube and fitting into surface of wax. Right. So it's called gating. Uh, and this is very critical because you you have to know what you're doing because if you place uh, not enough gates or too many gates, it creates shrinkage. If you don't have enough gates, then you're going to have a missing section somewhere. Uh, so it's you have to be, you know, we usually look it over, you know, then uh-huh. place the gate, yeah. It's very technical then, in sun. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, honestly, a lot of people looking at, uh, you know, bronze or public sculpture, they ever, never expect that how much work involved. But, uh-huh. I mean, it's, 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 a labor, it's a labor. Every step, it's labor of love. <laughs> yeah. 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 So... Then once we do a gate, uh, we it's called uh, into shell room. Uh, it's like kind of sort of like a ceramic, uh, like cement mix thing. Uh, uh-huh. We dip it in that for almost like twelve layers. So it's like um, by the time we're done, it's like almost three eight to half inch thick. Wow! And when yeah, it's then also it's it's very you know critical on temperature. You have to be keep eye on the temperature of the share room, and also each coat each day you put it in. You gotta make sure previous coat is dry 100%. And 
So by the time it's done, then we put it in the oven. We cut the ends, so we put it in the oven, so all the wax inside the shells comes out. And so that's, that's why, why they, they call, call the lost wax casting process, right? Right, yeah. So then because we cut the ends of the gate to drain these waxes, so when it's done, we have to patch that back up. And then we have to find the cup, big, large cup. We, you know, seal that thing top of the gate so they can uh-huh. pour the hot metal into that system. So once that's ready, then we start melting metal. Then mm-hmm. we put this thing, in the shell, into the oven, heat the shell. So... Because you cannot pour hot metal into cold shells, so you have to heat it up the shell and you have to heat it up the mold. So when both is ready, then you pour into the piece, yeah. You pour the liquid molten metal into the piece. Yeah. Is it dangerous? It is. is, Of course it's dangerous. If you don't know know what they're doing, I mean, it's, it's really dangerous, I mean, because um, sometimes, I mean, we have a small foundry here. Sometimes they, because temperature is 1,800 to 2,000. So 1,800 gets, degrees, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's dangerous, so you have to be, you know, you have to know exactly what you're doing. It's It's not something guessing game or anything it's it's you know so you have to know what you're doing and you have to confident of what you're doing well tell us about finishing and then tell us how you decided to have your own foundry because that is so cool but first tell us about finishing what does it mean to finish a piece well so when pieces pour you have to wait to cool then once this coal will knock it out all the shell because inside is bronze. Then we cut out all those gate. We put it in to help pull the, you know, we mm-hmm. cut that. And sometimes we have, uh, if you have six feet, six figure, six feet figure, then it's just too big to pour in one piece. So usually we cut it into like four to five sections. Uh-huh. So then... And arms and legs, so we have to put those things together in finishing. So I usually weld those parts, and finishing is I have to, whatever I weld, I have to just clean that up. If there's texture, I put the back texture. If it's smooth, I sand it down smooth. So once piece is done, no one should be knowing it. There is the same or there should be engaged. So that's what we do. So after the you pour the bronze and then it um into the ceramic shell, then when it's done mm-hmm. and when it's when it's uh cooled down, then it's in pieces mm-hmm. and you have to reassemble those pieces to make a sculpture. Yes. And um I you know, Sabin, I have to talk about a funny thing because Sabin, you know, says you're the best. In Sun, he doesn't want to work with anyone but you. He says you're absolutely the best, and um, he swears by you. But we had a funny incident when once recently where he sent the wrong mm-hmm. 
arm for a sculpture. He sent you the wrong <laughs> arm, and and you you know you put the arm that he sent on the sculpture. He had sent the wrong mold for the arm, so you had cast the sculpture and this arm because he asked you to, and it was armor, mm-hmm. and you welded the wrong arm on. And Saban sent me this picture. It was pretty hilarious. Yeah, it was. Uh, I usually didn't have any problem. Actually, I developed like technique. You know, I can match uh, Saban's work pretty close. And this time, I'm I'm putting this arm, and I was like, Oh my God, why am I having him so much hard time? You know, I did this million times. So I came upstairs and I asked people, Hey, you know. This is something we we had a problem with this. Yes, I was saying no, no. And there was <laughs> other wax wax figure, so I checked with the wax figure, and so it was it was a lot of problem. But that hand is very similar to armor, and yeah. I didn't know, but Saban knew right away. <laughs> <laughs> She was so. You said she put the wrong arm on, but I yeah. said, well, "Why did she do that?" He said, "I sent her the wrong mold." I said, "Well, then that's on you, sweetie." <laughs> well, that's yeah. That's see, that's the thing, you know. I mean, I mean, I, I, I have. I'm working with the sculptors. I can be really good with matching their textures and matching everything. But I'm not a creator. But when Sabin came and looked at it, he knew it right away. So there's a <laughs> big difference between craft person and creator of a sculptor. <laughs> well, you are a creator, though. Um, you are a creator. And I want you to talk about, uh, before, and we're going to talk about a lot of different exhibitions you've had for your work, but I wanted you to talk about how you decided to have your own foundry, because that's, rare for a woman. I mean, are there I don't are there any other women foundries? Foundresses? Yeah, there's 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 few, uh I believe. Um where I was when Tilex closed, that was my first job and I it was like when we heard the news that uh they're gonna close, that was first time I realized that nothing is forever because uh-huh. I was there for so long and I was there, you know, that was my first job and I thought like, oh my God, Tyler's going to be there forever, you know? Right. But that's when I realized that, oh my God, nothing's forever, you know? And um, I was there, I, I guess I was last person. I was helping Lee Porter and... Um, Finishing up the spider, uh, and the thing is, I I'm a I'm a worker. I I, I work. I I'm very physical and I work. And I I do not like lazy people. <laughs> well, Saban says you're the hardest working person he knows. I know Saban works all the time, so he, he just says Insan works all the time. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard for me because um, I I worked Talex and I was supervisor of a wedding and finishing for nine years, and I keep 
every drop of my sweat and uh, but because I'm a woman, they probably pay me lots less than anybody uh, you know that's a but, problem there's there's still a difference in pay for men and for women mhm yeah, but how did you decide to open your own foundry? I mean, because to go yeah. from being a supervisor to say, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I'm going to have my own foundry, you know foundries are dangerous businesses. Um, how did you make that decision? Well, when when they decided to close and Dick Polish and Andrew came to Talex and they are picking people who's going to go to their place, um, I, I think that that's when I decided I don't want to work for anybody else because... It doesn't matter where I go. I'm gonna bust my, you know, chaps. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna work, and right. I wanna control how much I'm gonna pay. You know, I think that's when I decided I don't wanna work for anybody else anymore because they, I find it out that they, they pay me so less than you know a lot of other other supervisor, and I know it's gonna be same thing. So why should I go there work so hard and? pay, you know, less than men, so I I decided to open up. Well, good for you, Insan, that you decided not to just, you know, go along with the status quo of being a woman who's being paid less for working just as hard as any man, so good for you. And what were the first (laughs) steps you took? What were the first steps you took to open your foundry? Well, first step uh, was that... um, I mean, I basically risk everything. I I took it out all the money from 401k, and I take a second mortgage loan from the my house, and then uh, we bought a foundry equipment from Libertor because um, I have to Libertor, you know, closing up a lot of stuff towards the end. So he was very good to me. He still does. So he sold all this fun foundry equipment to us. So that was that was great. Uh-huh. So that's that's first step I did. Uh then also because, you know, uh, even I worked foundry for twenty four years, um some things I know well and but some things I don't. I mean like foundry, actual foundry, share dipping. I have a general knowledge of how it works, but I don't know exactly, you know, how it works, you know. So did you hi- have you hired someone, or does your son do that, who does the shell dipping at, at Beacon Fine Arts? Uh, we we hire uh, people from, uh, used to work at Talix. Uh-huh. You know, so... Um, so they take care of thing, and then I'm, I'm because... I'm learning also, you know, I have to learn this kind of stuff, so I learn, but still I'm not expert on that one. I mean, I know still channel, you know, knowledge of how shell dipping works and formulas, but I'm not an expert. All I know is when casting come out and I say, oh, boy, this is problem from here. Hey, guys, you know. Hey, this is happening. Can't you see this surface? This is something's going on. You guys have to keep eye on the shell. That's what I uh-huh. do. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. 
So who were the first artists to to come to your new foundry? Um, Martin, Martin and Sabin. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, before. And how many artists? Or how many? How long have you been in business? And how many artists now come to you? Oh, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know the number. Um, or thing is, um, lot of. A lot of people I used to work at Talex, they are older. So a lot of them is, I realize that also, you know, so uh, they are older. They are no longer doing sculptures, and some people is not here in this world anymore. So um, we have new customer uh, I met since we came to Brewster. Uh-huh. So... I I cannot count exactly how many. Well, it sounds like you're doing well, Insan. I'm I'm really so impressed. It's just amazing that you're a woman with your own foundry, and I applaud your courage and and your, you know, the fortitude of you saying I won't work for someone else and be paid less than a man who's doing the same thing. So you know, that's really well done on your part. Well done. Well, it's. I mean, I don't know. Everything has plus and minus in life, you know. I mean, in here it's same way. Some days I'm glad I'm 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 on my own bus, but some days it's huge responsibility, you know. You just want to pack everything and just go work for someone else, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a struggle, but uh. But I'm, I'm, most time, I'm, I'm glad I did it. Well, I think you have a lot to be proud of, Insan. So, and on that <laughs> note, tell us about your art. Uh, you know, I had mentioned that beautiful tree of nails. Tell us about the tree. Tell us about your art. Um. Well, tree. I don't know. It sounds corny, but um, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> you could be um, corny on this show. Go for it. <laughs> I, okay, I'm not a really that loving person or friendly, kind person. You know, some people are so, so people person, you know, they're so friendly and kind and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm not like that. I have a good heart. I do believe I have a good heart and I care for people. But I'm not really that friendly people. But I do have idea because I grew up in small country and small family. Family means so much to me, and everything starts with the family. You know how uh-huh. you grow up, how you raised it, and and family and your village and other people, society. It's all start with the family. So first tree I built was called a uh, family tree. Uh-huh. So that's how I started. So each nail, I mean, for for me, nail is very symbolic gesture, saying it's you know structure. You know, when you right. every every family has a house they're living in, and uh, you can build 
I mean, in these days, they can build a house without the nail, but a long time ago, nail is a major part, put those structures together, holding, you know, this house. So that's right. where I come, come with using nail. And I want to build sort of like a society, but I want to build it with like tree of people, tree of knowledge, tree of things. I want to use nail to build it. So each nail means each person. So some tree I I use almost 2,000 to 3,000 nail to build one tree. And those each tree means so much to me, and that's each person. But when uh-huh. you have 3,000 nail. And when you look at it from outside, wow, it looks so natural and it looks beautiful. That's how I feel about people. If we can come all together, we can create a beautiful world. So that's my corny size or statement. I love it. It's not corny. It's beautiful, and I think it's true. And, you know, the trees, the pictures I've seen, they are absolutely beautiful. And I know you're having a show that's coming up. Can you tell us where the show will be and when? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of getting really excited about it. Um, Morrison Gallery in Kent, Connecticut. Um, it's pretty established and big gallery, and I'm having solo show over there. So, a solo of, show! Wow, insane. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. So last um, last year, I've been preparing it for this. So I have at least. 15 trees, and oh, actually, I started painting like uh, six months ago. Wow. So, yeah, so six of my new paintings going to go in to the show, and my three of my old sculptures going in. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. So it's the, the Morrison Gallery in Kent, Connecticut, and I believe it's September 12th to October 18th of this year. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So go back to the tree. Why metal? What is it about metal that appeals to you so much? You have a foundry that pours metal, and you're making these beautiful trees out of metal nails. Why metal? I love um, I love metal. Um, I did... I mean, time to time, I come up here and I do wax working, but I, wax working, clay, everything is so fragile. You know, I mean, clay, you can dent it easily, you know, and someone knock it in, you can bump it into it. And, or wax, if a wax room is too hot and if it's sitting too long, you can sag or warp, you know. Uh-huh. And it's so fragile. And metal, it it. Metal is not like that. You can do whatever, and they, whatever you put it in there, it's there, you know? So mm-hmm. no extra, no less. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm, feel, I'm so comfortable working with the metal. And also, when I build this tree, I use stain, stainless steel nail and mm-hmm. um, because... Um, it's so pretty. It's just pure silvery color. It's 
I I think so. It's so beautiful. I don't know what to say. Just I just love it. Metal. It just it's haughty. <laughs> and and where do you where do you see your art going? And where do you see your career and your art going in the next five years, ten years, and twenty years? Well, uh, next five years, or my my goal as a sculptor is, I always had this dream um, that I want to be full-time artist. I want to do my art and supporting myself, not through foundry work, you know. Uh-huh. Um, that's, that's, that's the tough part right now because I still work Monday through Friday working in foundry. Then I go on weekends or extra staying late, coming early and working on my piece. Um, and also I'm getting old. I cannot do that forever. So... Even if I can come here to Foundry for like three days, working on Foundry work, working on my piece for two days or three days, I would be happy. And is your son ready to step up and kind of take over from you, or will he be ready in five years? Oh, yeah, he's he, they already, yeah, he's ready. He's ready. <laughs> <laughs> It's not easy working with your son. <laughs> I'm sure. So, I'm sure. Families yeah, are wonderful, no, but they're complicated. No, it is. I mean, it, people say, oh, we have family business, you know, so romantic. It's great, but no, it's not. When your family, when your son or daughters looks just like you, that you're going to have a hip body, you know? Uh-huh. So it's, uh, it's not easy. <laughs> but <laughs> he... You know, I did talk to him about it, and he he also wanted me to be doing that. You know, he knows I'm, if I can come here to you for like two, three days and working on my piece, and that's what he wants me to do too. So we we are in the same page. That's nice. That's great. That's really a gift and a blessing that you can cooperate that way. And do you do you see your trees getting bigger? Do you see them evolving? Do you see yourself doing trees out of different mediums? Um, not. I don't. I don't see in different medium. But um, last time I went to gallery and talk to Billy. He's the William. Uh, he's the gallery owner, and he's thinking about maybe I can make thirty feet tree. Wow! So um, my my biggest tree right now is maybe eleven feet. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, thirty feet. That's something I would like to take that challenge. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. So tiny Korean woman creates thirty foot tree. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. I I hope you do it. You'll do it. I know you will, in son, and it will be beautiful. So Thank you. What have you found to be your best tools to help you on this unconventional path you've led? What have been the best tools? Uh, best tool is probably finance. Uh huh. Yeah. If if um if I you know with this um, solo show if I sell 
be of my sculpture. So I financially, I don't have to be working here five days a week. Then I can start working my piece. That would be great. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, but I know it's going to happen. It will. It will. Yeah. Who inspires you? Who are your role models? Who are your models? Who um who inspire me? I mean, when I was a painter, I mean, it was different. Gauguin, Matisse, you know, all those famous artists. But since I'm doing sculpture, sculpture, um, uh, here Chimiakin. Uh-huh. He's uh he's a Russian artist. And I love his work. And um, in terms of your unusual journey, what do you think are the common obstacles that people face who want to make a difference in the world as you have? What are some of the obstacles you face that are common to having an unusual journey? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, I don't know, because this is something a lot of people uh, probably realize it, but a lot of people don't. Um, I'm from Korea, so I know this is a great country. I mean, um, first, I just got citizenship, I don't know, less than five years ago. Wow. Or six years ago, because I have this uh, idea I'm still Korean when I'm dying, you know, when I'm buried in Korea, and that was like a little, you know, stupid reason. But recently, yeah, you know what, I've been, I've been in the United States longer than I was in Korea, and this is my home, and yeah, let's just become more, you know, citizen. So that's, I decided to citizenship. And being in this country is so great. You can be anything you want to be. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you have, you know, three pages full of a resume or three pages of education or three pages of uh, or money or whatever. Once you decide what you want to be, you work at it, I mean, it's not going to come easy. Of course it's not going to come easy. It's, you have to work at it. You have to work, and you have to work seven days, 12-hour shift, whatever. You have to do it. But uh-huh. it could happen. You know what I mean? So that's something I learned. So you think that the possibilities and the opportunities of being in the United States really help people when they have obstacles on their journey? They have to, yeah, they have to realize that this is a country you can do it. And and even even not finance or even emotional or there's so many programs, you know. If uh-huh. you have an emotional problem or you have a supporting group, America is the only country that has all that system. You just have to look. You have to do your work to go for it. And if you emotionally stress, you emotionally sad, and you emotionally really, you know, can get up, go find your people, supporting group. I mean, 
and if you need a finance, there's program. You you just have to look for it, and you have to go after. So I don't know. That's something I learned, and I'm trying telling this to my kids, you know. And it's sometimes it makes me very sad that why American people who grew up here. Can I see that? How great this country is? How lucky we are. Yeah, how lucky we are and how great it is. And I mean, I don't understand why they cannot see, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. you want to, why, why, why you want to just sit back and complaining about this and complaining about that and not happening? Go get it. Go get it. There's program, there's thing, doors open. Go get it. You know? And especially, I mean, you speak the language. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I, I speak broken English. You know, so you speak pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Well, Insan, I feel like you have tremendous courage, and you're an incredibly hard worker, and you're very proactive. So you, you have these internal gifts and this internal strength that maybe other people don't have. And that's why you're a model for people. So we have only a couple minutes left. So will you tell people where they can find out more about you, where they can go to look you up? Well, uh, some of the, we have Beacon Final Foundry has a website and some of my work is in that website. And also I have insunkim.com website. Um, everything is not updated. Some of the work is there already sold, but you have an idea of what I do. So, so people, so my listeners can find out more about Insun Kim at BeaconFineArtFoundry.com and at InsunKim.com, and that's I-N-S-U-M-K-I-M.com, yes? Yes. And is there a way for people to email you if they want to get directly in contact with you? They can do it through the website? Yes, uh, my personal uh, email address is there, uh, kkissculture.com. So if you go to insunkim.com, there's uh, email. So you can contact me through email. That's wonderful. Insun, thank you so much for being a guest. You've just been amazing and you're so inspirational. Your story is wonderful and you're really a model for how people can work hard and make something unusual and interesting of their lives. So thank you so much. You're welcome, and thank you. And I really appreciate it. Well, it was good to talk to you, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. So, listeners, that was Insun Kim, a foundress and a sculptor. So please look her up on insunkim.com and at beaconfineartfoundry.com. So to everyone who's listening, thank you so much for joining us. Sorry again about last week and the messed up show. But please do come back next week um, at our regular time, Thursday at 1, as Dan Booth Cohen and Emily Bolden talk about the human heart, ancestry, and healing. So thanks again for listening and talk to you next time. This has been Tracy L. Slatten on the Independent Artists and Thinkers Network. Thanks for joining us. Come back next week.